the podcast on the mount where we talk about Jesus, discipleship, and community. Let's go! Hello and welcome to this episode of the show. My name, as usual, is Adam Money, and uh, I'm here with my co-host Jonathan Amos. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Today we want to take a look at uh, Jesus and uh, his statements about the kingdom of God. What, what, why does Jesus talk about the kingdom of God so much in in the Gospels? And if you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it's it's all over the the, the place. The kingdom of God is like this. The kingdom of heaven is like this. What does Jesus actually mean by that? And um, how does that influence our own understanding of him and of uh, Christianity that we, we follow? So that's what we want to talk about today. And uh, we want to start it off by doing a bit of a background, looking into the Old Testament and uh, making sure we, uh, we, we get our grounding from there as we move forward into the New Testament. Let's not forget that. Um, the, the New Testament is building on what um, has been said or the understandings uh, that we already knew from the Old Testament. So uh, to help us, uh, we started off by um, uh, uh, our brother Jonathan kicking us off on the subject. So Jonathan, um, when we look at the Old Testament, how do we see the kingdom of God featuring in, in, in the Yes, thank you, Adam, and um, hello to the viewers, uh, to the listeners. Um, looking at the Old Testament, um, there are certain uh, there are certain ways in which we in which the kingdom is related to certain elements or certain components. One of the ways in which the, the let's look at the word kingdom in itself, okay. Um, because it's not necessarily talking about the kingdom of God, but if we get to understand why we get to understand the breakdown of the word and then where kingdom is being used and then how it's being used and the context in which it's being used, it may help us to understand from where um, we get things like kingdom of God and kingdom mm. of the Lord you know, yeah. in, 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 within the Gospels. Okay. So, um, for example, um, in, in Genesis, in Genesis chapter 20, where... Um, Abraham offers his wife to to Abimelech uh, as his sister. Where, where we see in Genesis chapter twenty verse nine that um, God talked to Abimelech and then tells him to return Abraham's wife to him, and that if he doesn't, he is going to uh, kill him and then everything that is his. So you see that um, when Abimelech returns Abraham's wife in Genesis chapter twenty verse nine. He, he says to he says to Abraham, "What have you done to us? How have I wronged you that you have brought such great guilt upon me and my kingdom?" Mm, okay. So you realize that in this context of the word kingdom, where he he's talking about kingdom in relation to to him as a king, mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. and so as a king, you know Abraham is bringing this. To him, to a uh, his, his his wife, his wife, to his him. so-called sister, exactly, <laughs> so-called sister. Um, sorry, if you hear some pops in the background, some guys are uh, throwing some fireworks in our area. So uh, please forgive us. Um, another way in which we see kingdom being used is in relation to a nation or to a people. Um, so, for example, uh, in Isaiah chapter nineteen, verse two. For instance, we see um, this. 
Isaiah chapter 19 is talking about an oracle concerning Egypt. In verse 2, he talks, uh, he says, And I will stir up Egyptians against Egyptians, and they will fight each against another, and each against his neighbor, city against city, kingdom against kingdom. So this is a, a, a set of people against a set of people, where we see that kingdom is referring to a, a group of people together. Mm-hmm. Um, there are other examples um, in Psalm 105 verse 13. In Psalm 105 verse 13 where it says they wandered from nation to nation from kingdom to kingdom um, also uh, where some prophet Samuel t- uh, tells Saul um, inside of First um, Samuel verse 15 chapter 15 chapter 15 verse 23 uh, where it says the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to one of your neighbors to one better than you so in 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 here we see that it is referring to a nation, a people, and, and this is not like the first example where it's referring to an individual or a kin. Um, and so, you know, then we also see some other uses where uh, we have in reference to um, those who are ruling on behalf of God. So, for for example, in in Israel, leaders like David, um, Solomon. These were Israel's leaders, and then the, what we what we should understand that they were ruling on behalf of God. I mean, God could not come down Himself, but He selected, He chose David to rule the people. And so, in this context, we can safely assume that David was ruling on behalf of God. And so, in here, we see certain usages of words like "kingdom of the Lord," "kingdom of God." So when we read, say, First Chronicle chapter twenty-eight, verse five, where David is recorded uh, as saying, "Of all my sons, and the Lord has given me many, He has chosen my son Solomon to sit on the throne of the kingdom of the Lord over Israel." So this is one example where David uses the David says, "Kingdom or kingdom of the Lord." Then um, we also have. In Second Chronicle chapter thirteen, one verse eight, um, and now you plan to resist the kingdom of the Lord, which is in the hands of David's descendants. You know, and this was um, Abijah, king of the southern kingdom of Judah, where he's rebuking Jeroboam, king of the northern kingdom of Ephraim. So, in here we have different usages, and I've, I've mentioned a number of them: kingdom of uh, kingdom to referring to a king. Kingdom referring to the nation, people, uh, the na- a nation or a people, and then kingdom being used by Israel's leaders that that were ruling on behalf of God. So we have these usages here. And one thing we would notice is that um, after these terms, uh, af- after these usages, we we don't really see them anymore until Jesus uses it in the Gospels. Um, Adam. Can you, can you give us some reasons why? Or do we know why? Can we think through it? Yes, yes, yes. I mean, but even before we, we actually mentioned that one. So the last point you talked about in terms of the kingdom of the Lord. So we already see the usage of kingdom in terms of kingdom of the Lord, which looks a lot like Jesus Christ saying kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. You see that clearly and you see that referring to, uh, uh, I mean, the, the nation Israel. 
mm-hmm. and the fact that uh, uh, that nation is actually called God's kingdom. Okay. So that's that that should I mean apart from looking at usages of kingdom, we see clearly here that the probably the first usage of the term kingdom of God or kingdom of the Lord. Yeah. Um, but <coughs> you are right because when we you it it sort of disappears off the map um, until then you see Jesus using the term kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, and so on. So what what happened? Well, what happened is really um uh, the, the the babylonian exile um we've spoken about uh, uh, exile before in our previous podcast but as we've mentioned the the exile is an extremely important part of uh, the exodus and the exile are an extremely important part of understanding the people of israel and um the the thing was um they had been unfaithful to yahweh so he had allowed their enemies babylon to capture them um, but the prophets had spoken and they had said that, you know, we shouldn't give up. Yahweh will return to us. And not only that, Yahweh would send his Messiah uh, to that uh, he would restore everything, you know, as it used to be before. So these messianic hopes, these hopes about the Messiah came then to be associated with what we call the kingdom, what the Old Testament calls the kingdom of, kingdom of God. Um yeah. Already, they lived for seventy years in in Babylon, and then even when they came out from Babylon, they lived for another four hundred years. And you know, they live in during this time. Sometimes we were under the Syrian rule, or they were under Roman rule. They still really weren't independent and free like when David was ruling over them, and when those days could be referred to as the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of the Lord. So th- th- this is probably the main reason why we we, we we hardly see the term kingdom of God featuring uh, until Jesus Christ pops up again. But it, it's if you read um, if you look at extra uh, canonical uh, resources that we don't find in our uh, Bibles, there's actually a lot of the usage of the word kingdom of the Lord, kingdom of God. These are uh, books that were written during and after the exile. But uh, most of those books did not find themselves their way into our Bible. So uh, it's, I think it's also part of the reason why people do not uh, realize it. So this yearning, then yearning for a kingdom of the Lord, a kingdom where Yahweh is in control again, where their kings are in control again, where their enemies are no longer ruling over them, where they have peace and security all over the place, was what most people refer to as the kingdom of the Lord. So um, Jesus enters the scene 500 years, you know, after this exile. I mean, like we said before, they had done 400 years of waiting. They had done 70 years in, in exile. So, you know, typically we round it off to 500 years. And then he comes and the first thing he says is the kingdom of God is at hand. Now, any, any first century Jew who knew these hopes of, of the people of Israel would have immediately realized that Jesus is talking about the, the way things were when Israel was on its own and you know, ruled by God, and um, when the, the king was, uh, you know, boss, <laughs> you know, I mean, David was conquering Palestine, and so, uh, sorry, was conquering the Philistines and all these people around them, and so on. Those were times of real uh, joy, justice, and so on. So, when Jesus comes and he starts off by saying, the kingdom of God is at hand, any first century Jew who lived at that time would know that, hmm, Jesus is talking about our old hopes that we had. Mm-hmm. So, Adam, 
we've talked, we've discussed a bit about the about the kingdom and the kingdom of God, and then where it's um, it being in the Gospels and then its roots from the Old Testament and all of these things. But we haven't actually defined or, or tried to explain what exactly this kingdom of God is that we are talking about, and you know what, how is it how how is it that we can see it or we can be part of it or how it can be revealed to us or something? Is it something that is coming in some future to come when Jesus comes or something? So tell us, please, what exactly is this kingdom of God and how can we be, you know, and how does it affect us? I mean, how, how can we be in it? Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. And that, that, that's an important question. So, I mean, we've established that there was these ideas of a kingdom um, from the Old Testament and, the, and people refer to the kingdom of Israel as the kingdom of God or the kingdom of the Lord. But, um, so, uh, like, uh, just as I mentioned, the, the idea of the kingdom of, of God or the kingdom of the Lord was, um, was a state of affairs in which um where God would have uh, appointed his own rightful king this king needed to be a son of David and this is why one of the things that we talk about Jesus Christ is he is the son of David it is important that he is the son of David because if you look at the prophetic expectations if you look at the uh, um, uh, God's promise to David in Second Samuel uh, seven and so on. You, you uh, and the people of Israel believe that what God had told um, David was an everlasting promise. So even if they had gone into exile, uh, God will restore them and restore that kinship back. And um, that kinship, the king was also supposed to live in a certain way and ensure certain things. Um. Uh, he was to, supposed to ensure uh, that the, the society was a just society. Um, he was supposed to ensure that those who were downtrodden were lifted up. He was supposed to, uh, uh, you know, restore the needs of the of the poor. And he was supposed to work on behalf of the fatherless and so on and so forth. You can see this much clearly defined if you read, for example, some some seventy two. It's probably the the clearest messianic um, um, psalm. Uh, and and in Psalm seventy two verse seventeen, it then links it even all the way to God's promise to Abraham, you know that He will bless the nations and through Him all all nations will be blessed. So even the 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 the, the, the Messiah who was supposed to come, the promised King, the rightful King, He would actually be the one through whom that promise was made to Abraham would be fulfilled. So um uh, and and. and Linked with the coming of, because Yahweh had abandoned them, if Yahweh was supposed to restore uh, them, if he was supposed to come back to them, linked with the coming back of 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 of, of the Messiah, the launching of the kingdom and things being restored, was that Yahweh was also it was going to show that Yahweh had forgiven them of their uh, hard-heartedness towards him, which is the reason why they went into exile in the first place. So here we begin to see the concepts of the forgiveness of sins. That their sins would be forgiven so that Yahweh can be, you know, can come back and be their God and they be his people. So all of these hopes were bound up with the kingdom of God. And um, which then we see Jesus coming in and you see him, um, for example, in Luke chapter 4. 
uh, saying that uh, 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 the spirit of the Lord is upon me, you know, to bring a, a release to the oppressed, and you know, and so on. This is again uh, uh, talking about what you. This is he was quoting uh, Isaiah sixty-one, right? Where uh, the servant, the servant was supposed to come to restore things in this world, things not just spiritual things in terms of forgiveness of sins, but things in terms of a restoration to a just society, to uh, um, a better society, was also supposed to be part of the task of the Messiah. Uh, to a restoration of, for example, the Jubilee, where you are expected to uh, forgive the debts that people owed you every seven years. The people of Israel were, were not really living up to this. So one of the uh, hopes was that when the Messiah comes, uh, people would pay better attention to these you know, things, these just things that Yahweh expected the people of Israel to live up to. Now, the, the, the one more important thing was that this Messiah was not just supposed to be the Messiah of Israel alone, but his power and his authority was supposed to stretch across the world so that what, um, uh, what was supposed to be beneficial to Israel becomes beneficial to the rest of the world. You, so then, uh, um, and I think that the one other important thing was also, um, if you look again at the prophets, that when this Messiah comes, even the Gentiles will also benefit from uh, this uh, restored way of things. So all of these ideas is what most people associated with the kingdom of God. And this is why, for example, when, um, when, Je- when, when Jesus Christ came and he left and said, All power and authority has been given unto me. You guys go and make disciples. When Paul got this vision, he realized that if the Messiah has come, then the Gentiles must come in. We must now open the way for the Gentiles to come in because part of the messianic hope, part of the expectation of the kingdom of God coming is that those who were no longer considered part of God's chosen people must become considered as part of God's chosen people. Mm, So that's why he took up that task seriously and went out to the Gentiles. and said, look, now if you read Ephesians 2, you who are no longer uh, a people have become a people. Now the time is up. Uh, you used to worship all those other gods and so on. But God has appointed a king called Jesus Christ. He has vindicated him by a way of resurrection. So you must now bow down to him. The, ro- the road is now open. Everybody, whether Jew or Gentile, must come and serve this king. So th- these are, these are uh, important uh, things that are bound up with the kingdom. And so one of the questions people would ask is, okay, so if Jesus Christ has come and gone, does that mean that there is nothing that you know the whole the, the, the kingdom of come, uh, the kingdom of God has been fully revealed, so that there is no future expectation? But that the the, the answer to that is that um, um, the kingdom of God is both a, a now reality and a future reality. Whenever I talk about kingdom now and kingdom future, people have a problem understanding it. But I like to remind them of something. When we say that Jesus has defeated death, this is something we believe as Christians. Yes. But Christians die every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get it. Um, so does that mean that death hasn't truly been defeated? No, we believe that death has been defeated. And that its final defeat will be shown when Jesus Christ arrives. 
So it's the same way it works for the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God has been launched by Jesus' activities, by his life, death, and resurrection. And a final fulfillment of that kingdom will come in the future. Okay. But it means we must learn to realize kingdom now as well as kingdom future and not simply sit down, cross our legs, and say, oh, well, everything about the kingdom is just for the future. So, you know, who cares? Let's just hold hands and sing Kumbaya. You get it? And if you, if we, so, for example, Jesus speaks of kingdom now. Uh, in Luke chapter 17, 20 to 21, he says, once on being asked by Pharisees, when the kingdom of, of God would come, Jesus replied, the kingdom of, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed. Now, people will say, here it is, or there it is. Because the kingdom of God is in your midst. It is already arrived. It is in your midst. It is amongst you. You get it? But then there are ways in which he also speaks of the kingdom future. And he says uh, in Mark 14, 25, he says, Truly I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the, that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. This is a clearly future way of speaking of the kingdom of God. And so this kind of... Um, uh, here and not now, now and not now, here and not here, is is all all it, it reflects all throughout the New Testament. But um, I think over time we've had a tendency to relegate everything that seems to be here and not here, everything in that way that speaks that way to a future. Exactly. Somehow we believe that in Jesus Christ's death means. You know, death has been defeated. <laughs> you know, but we are still dying <laughs> as Christians, mm-hmm. and we haven't. I think we haven't learned to apply that same thinking when it comes to the kingdom. And in, in, in this very same way, just as you said, we tend to relegate a lot of things to the to to the kingdom future. Probably sometimes even unconsciously. Maybe we don't even know it. Mm. But in a lot of ways, a lot of uh, a lot of things that we tend to say, and in lots of actions, we do things like, "Oh, um, come to Jesus Christ and then be saved, so that then when you die, you go to heaven." Mm-hmm. This is a this is a future thinking. This is a future prospect of mm-hmm. so that when I die, I will go to heaven mm-hmm. and I will meet Jesus. Something mm-hmm. something of the sort. Yeah. But we seem to, f- not seem to, we, a lot of the times, tend to not think about the now and the current, you know, the kingdom now that we are living in, mm-hmm. where we have, um, where we have a mission, mm-hmm. which, which, which Jesus Christ has left us, mm-hmm. to continue to, uh, you know, to live in community, to, to, to be our brother's keeper, mm-hmm. to love, to share. To follow Jesus together, mm-hmm. all of these things to to you know, these things are, have so not become a part of us. It's it's like, and and we wonder why there's so much sin and so much corruption in the world. Mm-hmm. The, the kingdom has been revealed. It, it has is been announced. Now it has been announced, and we are living it. And yet, we as Christians, we still cannot. Is we cannot see it. We, we, are, yeah, we, are, we, yeah. we are not living it as we should. Yeah. And I, I, I think... I, yeah, yeah. I, I, we, so, part of the problem... I, I wrote a, a blog post on this uh, recently on, on, the, on politics um, and Jesus and the church and politics. And part of the problem has been that um, for a very long time, 
uh, Christianity has um, focused more on Jesus as God mm-hmm. and left Jesus as Messiah, Jesus as King. Exactly. Where King is not just uh, you know sitting on a throne in heaven, uh, crossing his legs, but a King who is actively involved in the affairs of the earth. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, um, one of the reasons why the Sermon on the Mount is not taken seriously, it there's a portion of it that says. Uh, especially in King James Version, it says, Be perfect just as your father is perfect. Now, many people say, But we can't be perfect like God is perfect. Mm-hmm. Yes. But when you look at Luke, someone on the plane, Luke says, Be merciful mm-hmm. like your father is merciful. Now, when you put the two together, you get the idea of what, God, what, what Jesus Christ is saying. Because all along the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has been pushing the agenda of being merciful. Of letting mercy override judgment, of, of letting mercy override insistence on your right. Mm-hmm. So that's why he says, you know, pray for your enemies in the kingdom, in the in the sermon on the mount. Yes. Yeah. So if we, um, but for a long time, especially among in, among Protestant Christians, um, the idea has always been that, well, it's about getting people saved and going going to heaven. The kingdom now is uh, has really not been on the radar. So as a result of this, about. yes, it's, it's hardly discussed. talked about. Yeah. No, it's more about God being a deity. Yes, it's, yes. So we worship a deity. Yes. We worship God. Yeah, and the Trinity. He yes. is the third, second person exactly. of Trinity. And with an, spend with all an the expectation that at some point in time mm-hmm. we shall die and we shall go and see God. Yes. And so this is sort of even that expectation is not. Is not fully the the kind of kingdom future that mm-hmm. we are looking yes, for. Yes, yes, yes. But it is it is that kind of expectation, that kind of Christian mm-hmm. thinking that a lot of Christians have. Yeah, and th- this is undermining uh, our witness as Christians. People are surprised that early Christians, you know, when you look in the Book of Acts, you see that Christians loved each other so much. It's it, you know, it's 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 not for 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 fun that they did. When you have a, an understanding of the kingdom of God as both now and future, you cannot sit comfortably with your friend being hungry. Um, you cannot uh, be always be insisting on your right. Oh, I am the pastor, so I must get this and I must get that. Jesus shows the way of his kingdom. His, the king, his way is, is a way in which we sacrifice for one another. His way is a way of service. His way is not the way of domination. But when we continuously neglect all there is to say about kingdom now, then what happens is that we will not pay any attention to what Jesus has said about how we need to live today. Because it's all about getting your ticket to go to heaven. Mm -hmm. Once your ticket to heaven is secured, whatever else you do with your life here, it really doesn't matter. And more important, what what is even sad amongst all of this is also that then churches don't all also realize that they have a goal, they have a task, they have a mission that Jesus Christ has put in their hands. Because the same in the same way that um, the people of Israel believe themselves to be called by God to to be the light unto the world, to be uh, a display of what He wants the world to be like. You get it. He called the nation Israel to be like that. 
So, and this is the same kingdom that Jesus Christ comes and he's talking about. The kingdom of God is, kingdom of God is at hand and so on. So that, and, and that's why Paul says that God has given, uh, you know, uh, the, the task to the church to show his uh, unsurpassable wisdom to the powers and principalities and so on. Mm-hmm. So, if, if, if our understanding of the kingdom of God, and especially of the kingdom now part of it, is truly awakened, then we cannot run church anyhow. We cannot, um, you know, be bossing one another as we do in churches today, yes. because that's the way the world does it. We we need to, our churches need to be communities that are showing our societies that live around us how God actually intended societies to live. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. Our con- the constant running of churches as a voluntary association of people who have all been saved. So we just gather together Sunday, sing a few songs, do a few things, and we go home. And we come back the next Sunday to do the same all over again. It's, it's an undermining of the kingdom now concept. It's a, and it, it feeds into the usual, oh, we've got their souls saved. We just need to come and s- sit down, sing a few songs, you know, worship God, you know, do the, the deity part. And ignore the the kingly part, you know, on a day to day basis, <coughs> and uh, th- this is a problem. Yes. Um. The, in addition to to what I'm saying, you know that the kingly part, this this kingdom mm. now part. Mm. We, um. For example, if you look maybe, at Psalm seventy two. Okay. I mean, it's it's so very obvious. Um. Um. So ah, uh, good. I have Psalm seventy. So Psalm seventy two. And thou that came with your justice, O God, the royal son with your righteousness, may he judge your people in righteousness, your afflicted ones with justice. You can see the way justice flows in the whole thing. May the mountains bring prosperity to the people, the hills the fruit of righteousness. May he defend the afflicted among the people and save the needy of the children. May he crush the oppressor. Save the children of the needy. Oh, save the children of the needy. Ah, sorry. (laughs) May he endure as long as the sun, and so on and so on. Uh, it, it the whole psalm is all about what the expectation is for the Messiah in terms of creating a more just society, in terms of caring for the needs of those who are un, uh, underprivileged and so on. So, if we see, totally uh, elev- relegate everything to getting people saved so they go to heaven. And we have bought into a different agenda. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean we are not. I mean, heaven is not where people die, where we, where we go when we die. It's simply that there is work to do on this side of heaven, which we are ignoring, and we are just simply gathering people down, and you know, <coughs> not deploying them. Um, so, in addition to it, sometimes it's a, it's a bit confusing. Maybe as as a lot of Christians would listen to us mm-hmm. and may say that, oh, but well, in my church and in how we do things, we don't just save souls. You know, <laughs> yes, you'd come in and then you'd you'd be saved, and then after that, we take you through some some time, a couple of weeks. We try to you know teach you about you know Jesus Christ, about um, being saved, about heaven, and blah blah blah. And then afterwards, you become a part of us, and then every week you come, you you are being taught something different. Okay, um, to those of you who might be listening to us with this in mind, there are a number of things that we should 
probably try to try, no not well let, let's say it I, I don't know if it's going to clarify anything mm. but one there are a number of there are a number of um, Christian the number of churches who dwell a lot on things like um, prosperity gospel mm-hmm. um, there is fine prosperity gospel is not wrong it is just that if it is if every single time you go to a place where you want to fellowship with other people and every single time there's the gospel is about prosperity about and you are the you are the you are the light of the earth you are the salt of and you are and everything is about you you understand mm-hmm. and you shall be successful and you shall be great and you shall be wonderful and then um, I'm so, yes God wants us to be great and wonderful but that that is not the mission that he left for us. <laughs> we are forgetting that. Yeah. So there's one class of Christians and and, and some churches who do this a lot. Mm. Then there's the other set of churches where I, sometimes I don't even want to call them church because where it is all about um you know there's there's a witch in your family who is causing something wrong who is doing something yeah, yeah, wrong somewhere somewhere mm-hmm. somewhere who is doing who is causing you mm-hmm. so come and let us pray for you and cast the demons yeah, yeah. out of mm-hmm. you and that is what happens every single sunday mm-hmm. there again jesus did cast out demons mm-hmm. and send them into the pigs yes we know that casting out of demons yes it is it, it is it is biblical mm-hmm. we can do this but is it the is it the grounding and the basis for which we you know a Christian goes to church to receive a miracle <laughs> and then that is it? So there's this other category. Yeah. Then there is what I would consider church, mm-hmm. which is an actual community of you know believers where we come together, where you know even amongst us whatever is being if it's a teaching it is something that we can talk about and discuss and then be you know amongst us mm-hmm. we 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 support each other actively mm-hmm. we we if you know yeah it's and, and there's um like we said it's some these some of these things are a question of theology when yes. your theology is flawed um Many things follow from it. Uh-huh. Um, you you set yourself on a certain trajectory, and it is almost impossible for you to realize that you are going on that trajectory. Um, so, for I mean, for example, these th- things about miracles and healing, people always trying to appeal to Jesus Christ, example, and so on. A lot of the miracles that Jesus did um, were miracles to show that he was the Messiah. Exactly. Some of these miracles are actually spoken of in 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 the Old Testament. Uh, for example, him coming down the seas. It's actually in Psalm Psalm eighty nine, where it says that the Messiah would actually have power over the seas and over the rivers. Mm-hmm. So it's not surprising that he you know calms the storm, and people say, ah, what kind of person is this? Mm. Okay, this must be weird. You get it? Yes. Um, so Jesus, I mean, that doesn't mean that. Christians, uh, no Christian may be able to do miracles or whatever it is. But the point again is that Jesus has called us, you know, the, to 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 a task yes. of showing a different kind of community, which is in this, which, in this Christian, yes, now, in this in, kingdom, in, in now. kingdom now. Yes. Um, 
Yes. So when we we are gathered simply for the for the act or for the uh, yes for the act of receiving miracles or whatever and so on, and then we pack up our bags and go back home and come back on a Sunday. In what way are we showing the world a different way of life as a group as a community? We need to exactly. we need to start from there. In what way are we showing society a different way of life in mm-hmm. Kingdom Now? But when Kingdom Now is not important to you, and your only way of looking at Jesus Christ is Kingdom Future, then you you sort of have the leeway to decide what you want to do in Kingdom in in, in for now. Exactly. Which is why we've gotten sidetracked with miracles, with uh, you know prosperities, with um, and even even g- going further to the traditional church, very traditional churches with the continuous focus on uh, sin and you know getting saved mm-hmm. because sometimes it's almost as if every day you need to come to church and get saved all over again that's like it's the most important you know get saved get saved get saved well so we are we've gotten saved so what are we doing exactly. the, you know with this with the salvation so now we are saved and, and now what and, and we it, go it, back to our offices and then and, we still collect bribes yes we still collect bribes <laughs> So it it is a very wide um, theological problem in Ghana, um, in and Africa, yes, in Africa. And um, I, the earlier, especially I mean for our Protestant churches, the earlier we wake up to take a second look at what we mean by the kingdom of God, what we mean by the gospel, what we mean by Jesus Christ, what we mean by Messiah. My you know what we mean by the church what we mean by community what we mean by discipleship exactly then we can truly see the kingdom at work amongst us mm-hmm. but as it stands now i mean people don't see any difference between a christian and non-christian yes so what's the big deal if mm-hmm. we're talking about yeah, the kingdom of, ah okay maybe because maybe we are only waiting to, to see the difference when jesus christ comes but if that was the case, then we wouldn't have seen the early disciples showing that difference clearly. And one of the um, deceptions I've heard people say this: that well, one of the reasons why the disciples were so, you know, willing to die and willing to care for one another was because they they had the idea that Jesus will return immediately, you know, very soon. And let me say it that that that. <laughs> um, how do you that uh, talks about this in the politics of Jesus? And he says that that whole idea is flawed. It's flawed because it is an it is an assumption that we already come to the text with, mm-hmm. because we ourselves have not been faithful in you know taking Jesus seriously. We assume, oh well, you know Jesus, you know he. He's got nothing to do with politics. He's got nothing to do with our day-to-day lives. All he yes. cares about is that we going to heaven. So, our what hearts, else we do? Uh-huh. What is souls. in our hearts and our yes, our and our souls? What the de- final destiny of our souls? So, and so, and so what w- then happens when we need money that, for our children and we take a bribe? It is okay. Yes, it's okay. God will look at our yeah, hearts, hearts. Yes, and, and see that we need the money. <laughs> so, so and. What then happens then is that when we look at the example of the early disciples and realize how they took Jesus seriously, then we are creating excuses for them mm-hmm. as to why they were actually that way. But actually, we are creating excuses for ourselves because um, th- that idea that was because they thought Jesus was going to come very soon is totally flawed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So anyway, um, the for for us on this podcast, we are going to be talking um, a lot with this these ideas of kingdom now and kingdom future. We're going to talk a lot with the with 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 uh, the manifesto of Jesus and his task for the church. It's going to be uh, very visible in our podcast. This is why we call so ourselves uh, 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 you know podcast on the mountain. You, know, you see, it is a podcast that focuses on discipleship and community. So um, we hope you guys would come along with us and explore this journey of discipleship and community, and uh, we definitely is going to be exciting uh, as as we go along this path. So anyway, um, I think it's about time. Yes, yes, it's, <laughs> it's been an interesting conversation. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, please, guys, check please check out our Twitter our Twitter page our. Our Facebook page, please leave comments, like us, love us, follow <laughs> us, double follow us. Just check us out. Okay, and yeah, keep keep uh, reading. Uh, visit agnosnostar.org. Um I'm actually writing. I was just sitting down writing a few notes uh, for a new blog post on 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 this issue, and why even our traditional churches don't get you know what is going on, which which is probably also part of the reason why. They are also beginning to behave like uh, most of these are uh, churches who are coming with miracles and whatever and so on. Yes. There's a serious loss of identity, and the problem has been around for a very, very long time. Exactly. A very, very long time. <laughs> and if we don't dig deep, we can't deal with this menace. So, anyway, I'll be writing up on that. But uh, yeah, we hope to see you guys next time. Enjoy your Christmas. And uh, uh, reflect on Jesus Christ, the King who has been born. Bye. Sure. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Podcast on the Mount. You can ask a question, make a comment, or just reach out to us on our Facebook page, Podcast on the Mount, and on Twitter at Podcast on the MNT. Goodbye.